Sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. They're kooky and they're spooky. It's time to cross to the other side. Welcome to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Parastalkers, paralurkers, grand poobars, and all you spookster fans to Spooky Sundays. It is Sunday the 24th of April by our reckoning, and you are with Anne and Renata. Hello. Hello. We're a little discombobulated at the moment because we have been recording so many sessions that we can't remember what day it is. But what we do know is right now... We are in Ireland. How are you feeling about that, Renata? I'm feeling absolutely fantastic. I can feel the Irish butter flowing through my veins right now as we speak. <laughs> Clogging up our and, veins. <laughs> and please be, believe me, I will not be holding back on that. <laughs> I will be eating Irish butter for all of you. Yeah. I, I will suffer. I will take on that, that experience gladly and so to bread. You're such a martyr. I know, I know, I know. You know, having my serve... I will fight you for it. <laughs> and you will fight me for there it. There will be blood drawn. <laughs> it has happened before. Um, so what we have done is we have pre-recorded the shows for you while we are travelling around the United Kingdom and Ireland. And we will um, give you the updates of where you can expect to find us this week. Of course, you can follow us on Anne and Renata Frightfully Good on Facebook and Anne and Renata. Now, we've, we've changed the name to the Ghost Granny, so Anne and Renata. Just no, we cannot. Yes, it's too late. Can it's done. Not? It's done. No, look, the search thing. I looked at the search terms. Everyone's searching for Ghost Granny. I'm sorry. We have to go with what the search term is. It's Anne and Renata, Ghost Granny, Granny's Ghost Hunters or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, look for Anne and Renata. You'll find us. Uh, and make sure you follow along with all the shenanigans there. Um, all right, she's got her arms folded. She's not happy. <laughs> not happy, Look, Jen. Not, uh, it could be worse. It could be the paranormal pensioners. <laughs> stop saying it. Just stop it. Just stop. stop giving people ideas. Oh, God. <laughs> Wankers on walkers. I don't know. It could be anything. <laughs> we haven't hit that stage yet. I can borrow my dad's. <laughs> He's not using it. He refuses to use it. <laughs> He'd rather break his hip. <laughs> All right, Renata, do you have a news story of the week for us? No, you've got to tell us where we're going first. No, we do a news story first oh, okay. and then I do my segment after this. Oh, all right, okay. Well, I do have a story. Fabulous. And we do love to talk about our haunted dolls. And uh, this story comes from the fantastic site that is higgypop.com. Oh, and um, it, this is a trending story. <gasps> we like trending stories. Mm-hmm. We like to be at the top of the trend. So this is a haunted doll that weeps and sets itself on fire. <laughs> so it puts itself on fire and then puts itself out by weeping. Oh, I don't know. I like but it. to me it looks a little bit like they've bought this doll from the same place that you bought. Um, what's, it, what's her face? <laughs> oh, she's not going to like that. <laughs> what's Janet, name? please tell no, me. No, not Janet. Not Janet. No, not Janet. Our other one. Um, what's her name? Gertie. Gertie. Oh, okay. Yeah, because she's got an EMF meter in her chest. Oh, right? okay. Uh, so I think this is a I'd specifically say... created doll. Yeah, so she sets herself on fire. <laughs> I'd right. like to see that come through Australia Post. <laughs> <laughs> so ITV mid-morning presenters Holly Willoughby and Alison Hammond have been freaked out by a terrifying cursed doll that is said to cry acid and set itself on fire. <laughs> Can I have one of those, Mummy, for my collection, please? Like, once it sets itself on fire once, that's it, isn't it? It like you can't. It should be done. It should be done. Like, does this goes this doll really have specifically fantastic powers to bring itself yeah. back? So weeping, weeping yeah. acid means that the batteries are shot. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, setting itself on fire means it's bad wiring. Yeah. So according to the doll, to the doll's owner, Annie. Oh, Not you. No, no, that's my that's my secret name. I, I went for something completely different. Uh, I know the doll's name is Annie. Oh, God, <laughs> we like to report the news here, accurate every time. Mm, Annie Annie likes nothing more than scratching people, pinching them, and pulling their hair. 
She's also been blamed for starting fires and even cries tears of acid. See, now that was cl- a bit cl- cl- <laughs> clickbait. Oh, look. Clickbait. Yeah. Yes. Oh. We wouldn't do that sort of thing. No. No, we don't. We've been accused of doing we, it. <laughs> we have been accused, but we don't do that sort of thing. Yeah, so Holly was joined on the morning show, or this morning, by Alison, who's standing in for regular host Philip Schofield. Didn't want to know that piece of information. They were joined in the famous studio by the Dolls owner, supernatural video creator, Matt Paranormal. Mm. Mm. The hosts were already freaked out at the start of the segment when Holly told viewers the doll has started actually crying tears of acid. And we're not joking, it actually has. Right. So is there like burn marks down its face now? No. The creepy looking doll called Annie that Matt bought at an auction in 2019. Mm. I'm going to put a question mark on that. Was on display next to Alison in a glass case because you've got to have it in a glass case because, you know. Because that's what they do with Annabelle. So let's copy that. Mm -hmm. Alison said, for our safety, we're not actually joking about this. Annie has been sealed in a box and kept at a distance, but I feel quite close to it. Oh, my God. Matt, who trained for three years as a paranormal investigator. What? After being inspired by... (laughs) He trained for three years? (laughs) Just... Was it a a marathon? Don't. Don't go there. Don't okay, go there. Okay. Don't pick on that topic. Oh, there we go. We've got a snort. <laughs> we know it's going to be a good show when we get a snort. <laughs> Matt trained for those for three years as a paranormal investigator after being inspired by the long-running British ghost hunting show Most Haunted. Oh, well, there you go. Told the curious hosts about the sinister-looking doll. He said, Annie is from Pennsylvania. And proceeded, Transylvania? <laughs> and proceeded to tell Holly and Alison that not one but two spirits have attached themselves to the doll. It sounds scary, but Matt <coughs> assures the presenters that it's absolutely safe. He explains the two attachments she has, they're her owners. Her old owners that died in the house fire that she was found in. Her old owners. <laughs> That's a hilarious story, Renata. I'm just laughing. Her owners died. Yay! She set the house on fire. Naughty Annie. Oh, no. Matt didn't go into detail about who the owners were, but the doll doesn't look like a child's toy. It looks more like a novelty Halloween decoration with fake blood on her clothing, possessed-looking yellow eyes and cuts in her face. Matt said, I purchased her. I had her brought over to the UK. She then had paranormal equipment installed into her. These modifications include a K2 meter mounted in her chest, which detects spikes in electromagnetic radiation, something that is often attributed to the presence of supernatural entities by ghost hunters. Radiation. They've got their terms muddled up there. The Grim Doll also has a REM sensor built in. This emits its own electromagnetic field. Yeah, so that is the same as Gertie. Yeah, yeah. And if anything comes close to it and breaks the field, the doll will react. Matt says, if she was switched on and she was touched, her eyes would start flashing. Yeah, that's the same as Gertie. That's Gertie. You just buy them like that. Yeah. Holly asks what we're all thinking. Why, Matt says, it's just a signal to show that there's something there. The hosts uh, then wanted to know about the doll's original owners, who Matt claims are now attached to the toy. Matt says, we spoke to them through the spirit portal. This is a ghost hunting device which rapidly scans through radio frequencies. It's believed that spirits can manipulate the white noise in these frequency ranges to form words and sentences. Matt continued, we asked while we were doing the investigation, is this the original owners? To which it replied, that was me. And it was their actual voices that came through the portal. Oh, I wonder how he knows what their actual voices sound yeah, like. considering mm. that they're dead. Mm. Yes. Mm. Getting down to the nitty-gritty, Alison then asked, what happens when she sets herself on fire? She has a blast of a time. The paranormal investigator said the whole fire thing, I mean, her hair is so badly singed at the moment and her clothes are getting dark in colour and on the shoulder she gets a fresh burn mark. As well as starting um, spontaneous fires, the doll is also said to weep acidic tears. Holly wants to get to the bottom of this and asks, why is she crying? 
Matt says, my theory on this is her two attachments trying to show emotion. The prospect that the victims of a house fire are trapped inside a doll is really quite sad. Something Holly picks up on and asks Matt, can't you just release them? Oh, but I could, I could, but, but they I, don't want to. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they told me personally they don't want to go. No, they prefer to sit in a creepy doll. That catches fire and weeps acid tears. When I ask them saying, would you like to be set free? It's always a no because they're happy with their own doll. This revelation sort of renders the idea of needing to keep the doll sealed in a case pointless. However, Annie has been blamed for pulling (laughs) people's hair, pinching them, leaving scratches and bruises. Holly asks, do they feel it happened because she's not walking around and doing it? Matt says, it happens as soon as you're in the room, you get your hair pulled and she doesn't like women. Mm. Matt claims that this is because the female attachment gets jealous when the male attachment talks to women. Oh, this is a long story. But anyway, um, yeah, think think about that, people. Can I just say that I think Matt is either very gullible and has paid probably a lot of money for a, a big story like we do on Paranormal Trash or Treasure, or he's full of shit and making it up. I think Matt ha- might have a, a bit of a, um, a business going on a here. A bit of a need to feel special. Yeah. You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. Now we're up to the stage where I get to make you all very, very Jealous. This is where I'm going to tell you where we're going to be this week and what we're going to be doing. So right now, on the Sunday night, we are in Ireland. We've already stayed at Dobbins Inn on the Friday night. We've investigated um, the Crumlin Road Jail on the Thursday night and we've been to the Aircraft Museum on Saturday night. So oh, God, a full bouquet I'm of not, paranormal I'm not a bouquet. It's a bouquet. Um, so, and we've also got Danielle with us now. Hello, Danielle. So Danielle is our Irish-Australian correspondent and she's going to be catching up with us and the three girls will be road tripping mm. on our... What is it called? The Sacred Bush and the Holy Holes Road Trip of Ireland. Yes. So we've decided, because we had a bit of a meeting during the week to work out exactly what we're going to do, because there there is so much to do and it gets overwhelming. Daniel sent us this awesome list and Renata and I went, we've got no idea where these places are. So we plotted them all out on Google Maps and then we realised that she'd organised them into little clusters for us. So we had to choose which cluster. Mm. And we decided because to it would have it became a cluster, f- <laughs> cluster duck, <laughs> and um, then we we've decided that we're going to situate situate ourselves in Galway. Yes, so around that area. So we found a nice little um, place to stay that was a reasonable place. It actually looked a bit flash, the mm. one that we ended up picking, mm-hmm. for a very reasonable price. Because let me tell you, Belfast ain't cheap. No, it's not. Oh. They better uh, only one thing. Mm. They better have soda uh, bread, soda bread, no, <laughs> and Irish butter. Um, so, just you've got to remember, Northern Ireland is part of Britain. They they are part of the UK, um, and they consider themselves to be separate from the the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, we don't want to upset anyone by saying the wrong thing. If we do, just remember we are poor, simple Australian ladies who get it wrong all the time. Um, so. We did find a really good place that we we're going to stay at, which was uh, a, um, like an Airbnb type thing, which had an old church in its backyard and a graveyard. Yeah, and it was just too far away from everything. Yeah, two hours is a bit far to travel. Yeah, so what what we're aiming to do where we're over there is we're going to try to get to a workhouse museum. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, that is where um, the orphans would go and the, the, the poor people, they'll put into these workhouses. Um, and I'm always drawn to those sorts of things because I was adopted myself. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, you know, I think it makes you realise how good you've got life when you see what these poor little kids had to go through. Yeah. Um, and one of the other ones we're going to go to is St. Bridget's Well. Mm-hmm. And this is the one that's on the other side of the coast. We went to another one before. They've got, they're, there's many St. Bridget's Wells. Mm-hmm. Yes. <coughs> yeah, sorry. I've got the got the wheezies happening yet again. Um, and we, we're we going to... Are we going to make a St. Bridget's Cross and take it with... Not St. Bridget's Cross, a... Um, a God's eye. Yeah, not a cat's eye. <laughs> 
Yeah, puss, 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 puss. Can I don't need a cat's eye. No, no yeah. we will make some yeah. um, in our spare time. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> on the plane. We're going to have so much time oh, on the plane. Oh, let's, <laughs> let's make them as we're travelling from Australia. Excuse me, to hostess, <laughs> can we have another bottle of sparkles? And we've just got to do make another God's eye. We're doing God's work here. We'll have Keep glitter. Keep the spirit flowing. <laughs> Let's get glitter and paste everywhere. <laughs> and Renata will tell you a little bit more about what those God's eyes are because uh, she's going to talk about fairy trees and God's eyes and and uh, all that sort of stuff t- uh, later on in the show. Uh, but, yeah, we get, we're going to um, head to the wells. Now, I typed into – now, you guys should try this at home. You go to Google Maps and you go over to Ireland and type in Holy Wells and in Ireland – and see what comes up. <laughs> oh, it's an infestation. It is an infestation. <laughs> These bloody things are everywhere. <laughs> They're everywhere. I've never seen a map look like it. it I, like they it. did not have room for the names of these no. places. <laughs> it looked like a field of blackheads. <laughs> It's just, oh, God, it was frightening. And oh. I mean, we're not going to get to all of those. But it's going to be like, you know, when you go to Adelaide and you go to visit the cathedrals and by the time you've seen three, you go, oh, God, it's another bloody church. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go, oh, no, it's another bloody well. <laughs> yeah. But we did have a, a very special moment when we visited St. Bridget's Well before. Mm-hmm. And um, you could feel the energy in that location, and it was it was almost like we didn't want to talk mm. because it was so sacred, I suppose. Mm. Mm. There was that, there that, was a piece there. Yeah, that one was sort of a little more pagan, I do believe, than the one that we're going to. Oh. I did show you pictures. And Renata is I'm going to be yeah. I'm going to be concerned. I'm going to be disappointed. Mary is in the bushes peeking out. <laughs> Oh, I don't think it was Bridget. I'm pretty sure it's Mary. Yeah. Uh, oh. There was right. a lot of religious artefacts around the place and people are leaving their rosary beads and um, uh, pictures of, of choices and, um, yeah, and their petitions. And, look, this is what we do. So you, it, Whatever your faith is, if this brings you joy and gives you peace, you go do it because we're going to be hanging our god size up there. So um, they'll probably be looking at us and go, heathens, the heathens are here. Uh, but it, I like making them. It's a little bit of craft. Yeah. It's good stuff. So, yeah, we're doing that. And then we're going to um, we're going to try to get to Newgrange. And we've had trouble getting to Newgrange before. And this is one of the uh, sacred cairns. Now, I don't mean a can of beer. It's a C-A-I-R-N-S, Cairns. Uh, and it's where they would um, build like a mound using stones and there would be passageways into them. And at the certain time of the year when there's a solstice, the sun lines up and shines directly through the tomb. Now these things are older than the pyramids. And the, the the local people would sometimes take the ashes of their loved ones and they would pour it into the centre of the tomb as well. So sometimes there, there might be people buried there, but it's more uh, a sacred place for them and somewhere to leave their, the ashes of their loved ones. So we're going to try to get to Newgrange. Can't get into that. We can only book a month before we're going to get there. So Daniel is going to organise that for us. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, and then after a couple of days, we're flying back. We're going to spend a couple of days in Dublin probably. We're not sure. We've got two nights. We're not sure what we're doing. But then we have to fly back to London where we're going to meet up with Beth. Yes. Beth from Access Paranormal and our gorgeous Australian lady who's moved over there and killing it over there in London with all the paranormal scene. And uh, it happens to be her birthday the day before we arrive. So we're going to try and do a paranormal adventure together on the Friday night. She's going to let us know where we're going to be. And uh, then we're going to hit the bookshops. Which is your favourite one, Renata? Um, I'm going to go with Treadwells. Yeah. Very, very pretty place. But... But, but, but. Um, my friend Gail, who's living over there, hello Gail, um, actually said that Atlantis, the Atlantis bookshop, is 
going to be um, going into its 100th year. Oh, wow. Yep, so there will be 100-year celebrations And this is where Gerald Gardner started out in the basement. In the basement. Down there and started off the Wicca religion with several other people, but everyone sort of knows more as Gerald Gardner, I suppose, but Mm -hmm. there are several other people involved in that. And uh, that's a very historic little little shop there as well. Mm-hmm. And this is where we're going to load up our bags with whatever shekels we've got left to buy a book or two. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we do love our books. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. But that's then this is taking us almost to the very end of our trip. Yeah. So by the time we, we talk to you all next Sunday, we're going to be on the final days. Mm. We are here in the studio. No, we're not. Yeah, I know. We're in the other studio. We're in, we're in, we're in the virtual studio. Yes, sorry. And, and we are presenting. <laughs> we are presenting to you uh, our tour of the UK, so England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, sharing our shenanigans and sharing where we are going to be the week ahead. Um, and we 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 would love you to join us. You know, this is this is something that we're doing not just for us, although oh, no. it is for us. We're, we're sacrificing <laughs> for you guys. <laughs> you sacrifice. We would love you to come along and look at uh, all of these sites that we've been mentioning along the last few weeks, and that uh, have been so integral to our True Hornings podcast over the last um, sixty-one or two episodes that we have done. And we are actually going back and trying to find as many of the haunted sites that. Um, um, we can and can afford on this holiday uh, because we have talked about them on our True Hauntings podcast. We want to experience these sites and be able to actually say to you, is it haunted or not? That's a big question. So we are now talking about the Dobbins Inn and the Dobbins Inn is a hotel that can be found in Ireland. And of course, we are in Ireland at the moment and it's in a township called Carrickfergus. Now, when we talked originally about this on the True Hornings podcast, one of the things that I found was this delightful little map that goes back to like the 1400s or 1300s. And it actually showed a a picture, pictorial view of the Dobbins Inn um, along the the kind of the the foreshore of um, Carrickfergus. And it was just delightful because this it looked like it had been drawn by a child. Yeah. Um, And there were like three buildings around. And the Dobbins Inn actually started its life as a a tower house or a tower. And these towers were sporadically built all over townships, all over England, as points where people could go up high and have a view of whoever was coming in to the township from outside. So they were kind of like warning posts. They were places where you you could have someone strategically placed and always on the lookout to see if marauding tribes were coming in and that they were going to come in and burn the place down. Rape and pillage. Yeah. Bloody Vikings. So so this was a, a, a tall building. That's an exciting way of... of oh, I was waiting for more of a description <laughs> then. I thought, no. oh, we're going to get a good description here. No, it's just tall. <laughs> tall. Renata. And if you look at the history of Carrickfergus, you know, you, you'll go back to the 1300s and it talks about the sieges and, um, you know, people running and the place being pilfered and, and you know, the Scottish and the, uh, the Irish and the English fighting. Um, so these places were really integral. But by the 1400s, there was a fellow called Peter Dobbin who was a constable at the, the local castle at Carrickfergus. And from the salary that he got, he actually um, was granted the ability to stay in this uh, tower mm-hmm. and it became his home. So thus the tower house was born. Now, further on, uh, we're looking at um, more sieges, more issues coming through. And um, during what they call the plantation of Ulster under King James, the Dobbins Castle was shelter for many souls who were wishing to celebrate Mass, of course, because you've got the issue between the Protestants and the Catholics. And this is where we go to the fact that Dobbins Inn has a priest hole. (gasps) Oh, we're so excited. (gasps) Now, we love this bit of history and it it is a giggle, but it was a a real thing. A, A lot of the places would have had these special spots in a home uh, where a priest who was conducting mass 
um, or just trying to hide out, would be able to slip in under. Yep. Um, they'd close down the... Just slip the, in the priest's the, the hole. To- <laughs> <laughs> close the top down, stick a rug on the top, pretend he wasn't there and... Yeah. Stand around with a Guinness in your hand and pretend there's nothing happening. <laughs> Bob's your uncle, right? Uh, and then, of course, when the people left, um, priest would pop back out. Pop out of the priest's hole. <laughs> Finish the mass, Can whatever you just it imagine was. a priest's head popping out of a priest's hole? Oh. And apparently <laughs> apparently there is a priest hole at the Dobbins Inn. Oh, yes. Still there, right next to reception. So yes. when we get there, that's going to be the first question we ask. Can I have a look at your priest's hole, please? <laughs> look at your priest's hole. Right. Now, um, in... 1720, uh, a family uh, came through and purchased the the um, tower house and Peter Dobbins actually moved into London. So he kind of left. Um, and um, as time went on, uh, many other people moved in and out of the uh, building. And, of course, Carrick Fergus built all around it. So now when you look at the Dobbins Inn, it looks like it is part of a wall of buildings. It doesn't yes, look separated does. at all. It looks like it's part of this streetscape and fits in beautifully. Um, and so we are going to be sitting in the Dobbins Inn in one of the refurbished rooms and going to be really so excited about what we can find. Now, they did a bit of an analysis uh, a number of years ago to try and work out whether anything in the current Dobbins Inn reaches back far enough into history um, to make it this real heritage spot. And they did a timber analysis and they found that the the building itself or parts of the building um, actually date back to 1530. Wow. 1530. And at that time, it was actually the residence of the Dobbin family. So that's that's just awesome. Uh, and one of the other things that the building became was a main bakery at a, a period of time. It was the main <laughs> bakery in town. <laughs> they probably did. Um, and then it was a barracks building for the local army. Uh, and uh, it, it kind of changed over the decades, of course. But now it is a historic hotel mm. where you can stay and enjoy the beautiful Carrick Fergus, which we are going to do. And you are going to love the fireplace when you walk in there. I do remember that struck me straight away when you walk through the front door because I've been there. Ah. And I've stayed the night. Uh, and there is a castle across the road. Oh, I love a good castle across the road. Oh, no, and it was never freaking open when we were there. <laughs> oh, I hope so, it's open now. Hopefully it will be open. But uh, did you know that uh, – oh, you know what I should have popped in as a song next? We should have done Carrick Fergus by Brian Ferry. But it's such a miserable bloody song that I don't want to put it on the air. Well, it's probably a miserable place. No, it's not. It it's going to be a beautiful <laughs> – It is. Oh, is it? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> No, but look, I was there with my husband uh, six years ago, six or seven years ago. We did the Dave Schrader Ireland tour and um, it it was sad. Mm-hmm. They, they were financially struggling there. I don't know whether there were some mills that had closed down or what had closed down, but um, they, they were really struggling financially in that town. There was a lot of shops that were closed. Mm, that's sad. And it, you could feel the sadness. So, I mean, there's still beautiful big pots of geraniums everywhere mm-hmm. and um, that was where Roman finally got to have his first uh, glass of Guinness at a pub, mm-hmm. uh, which we'd been trying to do. Should uh, we have some Guinness? I've never tasted Guinness. What does it taste like? <laughs> no, well, look, we we will give it a go, and we we will record it. It's supposed to be very good for you. Oh, I'm sure somebody who loves Guinness <laughs> told you that. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, that's something we'll do. We'll find a pub and we'll just get a little one. Yeah, we'll say, can to we just share. have a shot glass? <laughs> shot <laughs> glass of Guinness. <laughs> We've just heard about all the history of Dobbins Inn. You know what happens now? Yeah, you tell us a good bit. We get the boogers out. <laughs> <laughs> and as I said, Roman and I did stay there and I deliberately picked it because I saw it was on a TV, no, it wasn't a TV show, it was a YouTube series called uh, Northern Ireland Paranormal Investigators, I think it was, and they did such a great job of it that I really enjoyed the um, the presentation of it. So mm-hmm. I thought I wanted to, to go and stay there myself. Um, and it's a funny old place. Uh, you you walk in the front and then they you've got to climb some stairs to get to your room, and nothing is straight. 
oh, I'm going to love it then. It's, it's all at odd angles mm-hmm. and um, the, the walls bulge out and go back in and the, the levels of the floor, you go up and then down a few stairs and then across a bit and it's really like a little rabbit warren because yeah. I can imagine <clears> it was the, the round tower, as you said originally, and mm-hmm. then they've probably built or added um, structures around it. Mm-hmm. So, um, of course, when you've got a round tower, you're not going to have straight walls, are you? No, no. But um, it, it was really a place full of character. And I just remember the fireplace. I've just got this thing in my head about the fireplace. Anyway, so we have some famous ghosts here. Mm-hmm. And one of them had a wandering willy. Mm. Oh, we do like the wandering willy stories. The, the big love affair that happened. It was. Now, apparently, now when we did this on True Hauntings, we did find that there were so many different dates for this story, but the the essence of the story stayed the same. So the, the essence of the story was that uh, around about the 15th century, 1400s, um, the in oh that that might be um the hounds of the baskervilles that are at the front door there just ignore all of that um yeah so they got a new ghost and uh, apparently it was the wife of the owner Hugh Dobbins so uh, uh Hugh, not Hugh but Elizabeth fell in love with a soldier that was across the road at Carrick Fergus Castle uh, uh, and he had a nickname called Button Cap. Mm. I know. That's, that's not sexually appealing. <laughs> oh, Button Cap. Oh, I button can't cap. wait to touch you. <laughs> May I kiss you, Button Cap? Yeah, no, it doesn't quite work, does it? No. Um, so <laughs> <clears throat> she used to um, use the passage, the back passage, <laughs> at... <laughs> The back of the old stone fireplace. Oh, I'm glad we're not oh. we're not in Australia when this comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might get in trouble with the bosses. Because uh, yeah, there was apparently there was a secret passageway at the back of the old stone fireplace. Oh. And oh. we gotta look for that. Oh yes, I know. Maybe that's why I was drawn to the fireplace because Maybe. I knew. Oh there was the, the dal- sec- there was the, the dalliances were happening before oh. the fireplace. <laughs> back passage action. <laughs> Oh no, it just gets worse. <laughs> oh. mm. oh, I'm sorry, listeners. So it wasn't long before her husband discovered the dalliance, as you were saying, the affair, the case of the wandering willies. And uh, apparently he got a little bit upset about that mm. and murdered them both. Oh dear. Mm. So now they're stuck in that back passage, never to. <laughs> Well, imagine again. being stuck in the back passage. That would not be nice. <laughs> we know how that feels. It gets a bit a- I don't. <laughs> Renata, please tell. Oh, no. I think we've lost her. <laughs> All right. You have to have some Cinecot the night before. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it helps relieve the tension. <laughs> I don't know. Get me out of here. You're digging a hole. Digging a hole in the back passage. (laughs) All right. Hang on. Okay. Apologies to all the listeners. Uh, I bet they're so glad that we've pre-recorded all these episodes for people to listen to. Oh, Belbet. Sorry, Bonnie. (laughs) Um, So somewhere along the line, this spirit's name changed from Elizabeth to Maud. Oh, Maud. I okay. don't understand how – I could understand it becoming Liz or Beth, mm-hmm. but why bored? Maud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we've had one cup of coffee too many. Oh, no. <laughs> so she said to still haunt the rooms and the corridors at the end, stroking the faces of guests. Now, other guests have also reported seeing a black mass shooting from the reception over area over to the old stone fireplace where the tunnel apparently still is. Oh. I bet they don't let us in their back passage. <laughs> would you? <laughs> I no, I wouldn't share my back passage with anyone. That would just be for me. Um, oh. Also, there was a, a worker... <coughs> 
who apparently got hit by a coin. Uh, he was working in the area and just this coin came flying out of nowhere and hit him. Um, now, I do have some little stories here of experiences people have had. Uh, I like to get onto TripAdvisor and, and things like that and find uh, stories where people have had some sort of experience. So this is back in, uh, this is Alice, March 9, 2022, sorry, 2020. Oh, 2022, it like, just happened. Um, myself and two friends stayed over in the family room and the TV switched off. When no one was near the remote. Isn't it great how spirits from the 1400s can now use TV remotes? I <laughs> know. Oh, They're very talented. It's amazing. Uh, the next day, as we waited for our taxi in the reception, the receptionist had gone off somewhere else. We were sitting there silently looking out at the window for our taxi. See, I would have been looking for the priest holler that stage. <laughs> <laughs> digging around for the back passage. When I distinctly heard a male voice making a... <coughs> sound... As if it was tired. Oh, hang on. Mm. <laughs> to change my... Mm. Uh, yeah. uh, it, it was coming from behind me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're never going to make it through. I turned around and no one was there. Did you hear that? I said to my friends. I heard it, said my other friend. So there were three of us. Two of us heard it and one didn't. I would say this inn is very haunted. Just because of the mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Oh, dear. And it was behind me. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Maybe that's the sound they wanted to hear. Oh, dear. All right, oh. I've got another one for you. I've got yep. another one. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, members of staff have also reported uh, ghostly encounters and they have a feeling of uneasiness reported, particularly in room 21. <laughs> Oh, we've got to have that one. We've got to have that one. I don't, well, we want one with two beds, please. Uh, the, this feeling is contrary to general reports of a gentle female soul, so it is possible that there may be another more malevolent energy at work. Mm-hmm. Guests have also reported a... Now, this is in a, you know, the little... I can't do... I've got my fingers doing the 69er things. That, that's really wrong, but you know what I mean. Uh, a definite atmosphere. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. of that for that mm-hmm. in the room, elsewhere. Oh, they, well, that's the same thing again. They said that was hit by a, a small coin. Uh, the chef had their apron strings tugged and witnessed pots and pans being disturbed by unseen hands in their kitchen. Mm-hmm. So it's it sounds like it's really <clears throat> active. Yes, we've yes. got to get some action there, Renata. Got to, got to, especially in the back passage. You're listening to Spooky Sundays on Newcastle Live Radio. Let's get into some myths, myths, legends and superstitions Ooh. in Ireland. And because the um, this particular trip is focusing on holy holes and sacred bushes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk about one type of sacred bush that is very prevalent in Ireland. Yes. And that is the fairy tree. <gasps> so excited the for fairy, fairy trees. Tree. I remember seeing my first fairy tree and I was gobsmacked. But I'll let you describe what they are first. Yes. So when when we went to Ireland the second time, when I went with you the second yes. time and we, we landed, uh, one of the first places we went to was this sacred site mm-hmm. um, that had um, standing stones. Oh, yes. And uh, it was raining. I remember it was raining and we were just standing there. Just and It was just us and we were just enjoying being in this um, energy of this circle because it was just beautiful just to stand there and think, wow, we're we're in Ireland. And this place kind of dates back to the 1400s or wherever. And as as it was a bit earlier than that. that. (laughs) Uh, And as we're walking around in one particular spot, there was a little. Bush. There was a little bush. There was a little bush and it was covered with all of these little tags on it. And we've headed over there to have a look and have a read. And um, and all of the people that had left tags on this little bush were all asking the fairies for help. They were asking for help with health and money and a whole lot of other things. And, and this is something that uh, people have been doing for centuries. And the, the fairy trees in Ireland are actually hawthorn trees. Right. So there is a specific type of tree that is more than anything kind of considered as holy. So it's either a hawthorn tree or an ash tree. Uh, and I remember a number of stories reading over the years of um, 
highways being diverted to save hawthorn trees. Yes. And um, houses that had to sort of had bits chopped off because uh, it was risking um, a, a hawthorn tree being close by. So if you wanted that piece of land, you had to sort of redirect a corner of your house so that you didn't cut the hawthorn tree down. We've also read a story, I believe, a couple of months ago where there was a farmer um, who had land where his cattle and sheep were on and he said that there were there was a sacred grove of fairy trees um, on one of the pastures on his property and mm-hmm. they, that they'd been there for centuries. Yeah, you don't touch them. You don't touch them. Now, no. that stone circle we went to was Kenmare. Kenma, oh. uh, Kenma? Kenma, yes. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's like a little mini uh, Stonehenge mm. with all these stones arranged in a circle. Mm-hmm. And that was in County Kerry. Yes, yep. That was beautiful. And there was nobody there because it was raining, so we had the place to ourselves. Yeah. Now, a lot of these trees stay very small and bushy, which is great because it means that you can hang stuff off them. Um, And they can get as old as 400 years. (gasps) Good heavens. Yeah. And it's thought that the hawthorn tree is especially sacred to the fairies. It is a meeting place and you must not cut a hawthorn tree down Mm. or all, all of abomination and worst horrible luck will befall you. The, if, fa- the fairies will come for you. Yeah. If you've taken their, you've taken their sacred place, you, you cannot do bush. that. No. We know what happens when we even talk about them, so <laughs> heaven help us all. Did you just say the F word? You yes. did. Yeah. Uh-oh. Mm. Let's hope this recording works. <clears throat> so you might be wondering how the hawthorn tree actually became to be known as a fairy tree. I am. You know, that was right in the front of my mind. How on earth did that happen? Renata? Well, well, well. Glad you should ask. With the tree blooming in spring, it was associated with the festival of Beltane. Ooh. And this was an important time for all of the ancient Irish as well as the fairy people. So Beltane is referred throughout some of the earliest Irish literature and has been associated with important events in Irish history. So fairy trees are all over the place. Uh, They are a symbol of good luck. If you try and cut them down, bad luck will follow you forever and a day. And people are very, very superstitious about these. Well, they say they're not superstitious, but they literally did build a highway around it rather than cut it down. Yeah. Now, there's also another thing in Ireland, fairy forts. And our lovely um, Danielle sent us a whole lot of fairy forts um, that we can go to. I think we've picked one. Yes, we have. We didn't want to go to the man-made ones, which um, they have little fairy doors and little cutouts of fairies. That's for the kiddies. We're big kids. Yep. So these fairy forts... Uh, They're circular, they're surrounded by an earthen or stone bank and so they were originally designed to protect cattle during the night from cattle raiders and over time people moved into more open spaces and it's believed that the fairies made these ring forts their new homes Mm -hmm. and so they were given the name fairy forts. There you go. Isn't it nice? Now, you know, we might think of all of this as being very strange and some people we know and, and... Lots of people actually believe in fairies, and that's absolutely fine. But the Irish, as you said, tend to say, no, we don't believe in them, but in actual fact they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they kind of keep it a very, very much, just in case. much a secret. Yeah, just just <laughs> in case, just in case we disturb them. And, like, we laugh about saying the word fairy and going, don't say the F word, because literally every time we've said it, we've had some sort of technical failure. Yeah. We'll find out what it is, I suppose, when I go to play back this recording. (laughs) Mm. So we are going to go to the Hill of Tara, and that is a very sacred site um, in Ireland, and that's in Country Meath. And we're going to go and visit St Bridget's Well in County, County County, County Kildare. Um, I don't think we'll be seeing the others that are listed here, but um, as you said, we pulled out a map of Ireland um, to show us all of the sacred sites uh, that are in that country, and you literally couldn't see anything else other than dots and spots yeah. that say this is a sacred site and this is a sacred site yeah. and this is a sacred site. So um, you know, there, there is no loss of sacred sites over there. We'll all have plenty. But we want to bring you these pictures and we want to bring you a sense of what it feels like to be there. And we will be carrying um, with us some gifts 
uh, to give to the fairies and also um, some pledges, some petitions from people who would like to petition the fairies for a piece of good luck or good health or whatever it might be. Um, so if you do have something that you would like us to carry to Ireland that's with too you... late because we're already there. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice thought, but oh. yeah, tough titties. You've missed out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll have to mention it before we go away. Yeah, yeah. We we did mention it before. We just haven't done anything about it because um, we were going to uh, get uh, make some um, God's eyes. We can still make them. Yeah, but we've we've got to have the time to make them. That's all right. I'll make them in my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so what's a God's eye, Renato? Because that's something when we've also put clooties on trees. God's yes. eyes and clooties. Yes. So God's eye. God's eye. <laughs> what did you just say? Oh, nearly. Oh, God's eyes. God's eyes. <laughs> oh, boy. She's gone bright red. Oh, that was close. <laughs> They're this little um, craft handmade item that is cotton or wool that is strung around um, a, a cross um, of timber or you know, a branch Top or a twig or something or other. Um, and you kind of you just weave this patterning around and around and around um, this particular you know cross and uh, and then you can hang it and I think yeah. it's it's in the weaving like the, you put the magic your yeah the magic into is it. in the weaving yeah and that's what we were going to offer to do people we, we may still get time to do it we've, mm-hmm. we've got three weeks we're good yeah we can yeah absolutely <laughs> we'll crack it out but you know our island is filled with beautiful myths and legends and stories um, the last time we were there we may we had everyone make clooties and clooties are again the special things that you make specifically for people who are unwell and ill and again you are asking the gods of the forest to take the wishes that are printed on this clootie which is a, a piece of fabric um or as we discovered, bras, underpants, or whatever <laughs> else that can be stripped off. And, and the first fairy tree I saw, now that's why I was going to tell you that story, was um, outside, uh, that was Lep Castle, mm-hmm. and there were walking sticks on there. Wow. So I don't know whether they got healed or what happened and they were able to throw it away, but yet literally bras, um, bits of all sorts of stuff yeah. on there. Yeah, and so you write down uh, what you want for the person um, that you want it for, and then you attach it to a tree yeah. um, in these groves, in the in these beautiful groves. And the fairies come and collect the wishes, or read yeah. your wishes, and maybe or maybe not grant them. Yes. Oh, thank you, Renata. That was awesome. Now it's my turn, Renata. I get to talk about the leprechaun. Mm. Uh, now look, for those who don't know it, and I'm sure most of you do, a leprechaun is a little tiny supernatural being that can be found in Irish folklore. Now some people will call it a fairy, but it's the type of fairy that likes to hang by itself. It doesn't hang out in groups. Uh, they're normally depicted as a little bearded man wearing a coat and a hat. And they tend to get up to mischief, apparently. No, I, I just don't believe that. No, no, never. Leprechauns would never do that. They've sometimes been uh, depicted as shoemakers mm-hmm. who have a hidden pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Somewhere over the rainbow, leprechauns are by. <laughs> so, um, now... Yes. There is in Dublin, and we didn't get to go to it last time, but we might make the effort this time to go to the Leprechaun Museum. There's a Leprechaun Museum? There's a Leprechaun leprechaun Museum. You imagine the gift shop? (laughs) (laughs) There will be a must-have magnet in there, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, And when I did this tour with Dave Schrader, uh, we we had an Irish tour guide with us and um when we mentioned leprechaun she rolled her eyes at us they don't exist we just do that for the tourists we're going but you've got a whole museum dedicated to them (laughs) (laughs) there's no such thing as leprechauns this is the same person who was going oh we don't believe in fairies Uh but we cannot cut down a fairy tree (laughs) 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 but did you know that there was there is still an Irish leprechaun whisperer. 
Yes, I we, read. We I did read a something story. In the story. Yes, yeah, we did a story on uh, the Whisperer, and um, and he's counted them. Yes, yeah. Well, he did count them. He did yeah. a, a bit of he a did census. A census. <laughs> A leprechaun census. But people were worried about the leprechauns apparently during the lockdown, during COVID. But he wanted to re- to tell people that it's okay. The leprechauns are fine. They're coping okay with the virus. And he actually appeared on TV. Right? He mm-hmm. appeared on mm-hmm. TV to tell this story. So he's a prominent leprechaun advocate and ag- activist mm-hmm. and got a parcel of land... Put aside by EU protection for the mythical leprechauns. I think that's so beautiful. Oh, so, that's so awesome. He, mind you, he does actually run a tour business called The Last Leprechauns of Ireland <laughs> as well. So um, that does help that he's now got a, a plot of land that have been dedicated to the leprechauns, mm-hmm. which he can run tours on, I suppose. Mm. Um, and he calls himself a custodian, mm-hmm. an authority. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's see, what else have I got here? Uh, the, apparently their numbers are dwindling. Uh, there were millions of them here in Ireland and they all died apart from 230 six of them. Oh, that's sad. That's a big cull. There might have to be a leprechaun in- insemination. Endangered <laughs> <laughs> species. Oh, your brain, where did that come from? I don't know. Oh. My spirit guide told me to no, say that. Right. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anyway, he's oh, made you them can in- catch one. <laughs> I, I could see you running around through this plot of land trying to catch a leprechaun saying, But you've got a mate. We've got to keep you breeding. Yeah, that's true. Are you gonna do <laughs> I can't see anything, I'm crying. <laughs> I'm just thinking of how they do bull insemination. <laughs> Well, not bull, but how they get the yep. semen from the bull. Are you going to do that for the leprechauns? <laughs> I, I would sacrifice myself oh my so, that, God. so that we don't lose the too leprechaun po- population too because far. that would just be awful. Too I, far. I, <laughs> too far. <sighs> All right. Well, <laughs> I'm willing to give of myself. <laughs> I'll donate you some lube. Okay. Now, this this gentleman's known as Mr. Woods. Oh. Um, and most people can't see the leprechauns. Hopefully, we <laughs> can't. But he has special powers. He He's does. special. He does. So that uh, they do appear to him, and he can communicate with them through an out of body experience. So mm. apparently, he has to leave his body. Oh, maybe a bit of LSD or something would help with that. I don't know. Um, and yeah, so. He did say that his tour business has taken a bit of a hit in the last couple of months. Maybe we need to go do a tour with him I and think help so. him out. Maybe yep. you can give him a suggestion about the artificial insemination <laughs> of the leprechauns that keep them breeding. Yeah. Um, he said, it's it's not really business to me. I have enough access to the gold, he said. Seriously. I'd, uh, I don't need the business. I do it to tell people the story is true. Oh, uh, Leprechauns are spirits. They manifest themselves to me as leprechauns. I visit them each day. I haven't broken the COVID restrictions to go and visit them. Oh, oh isn't he just gorgeous? He is. <laughs> anyway. Can, that, le- can leprechauns catch COVID? Obviously. I don't know. Maybe you have to ask it next time you're trying to make a mate. <laughs> oh. oh, we'd have to do a leprechaun at first sight show. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to die now. <laughs> the leprechauns are going to get me. Oh, the, oh. The, now, Andrew, do not apply for that one. I'm just saying, <laughs> don't apply for that one. Anyway, if you want to find more about the the, the leprechaun <laughs> while Renata gathers herself, you could look up the last leprechauns of Ireland.com. <laughs> the tours are ten euros. Um, and includes a little leprechaun model to take home with you. <laughs> but it is only cash. Cash only, because apparently the leprechauns don't do <laughs> 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 
ATMs. Yeah, we don't want the government to know what's going on, do we? That's that's why he's got enough access to the gold because it's all true. cash payments. But <sighs> I remember seeing the photos of all the caves and things he's got set up with all these little props and stuff in there. How did this segment go to hell like this, Renata? I'm talking about little fairy leprechaun things through the pot of gold, and you're doing artificial insemination. <laughs> Oh, it was the leprechauns. They made they may just say these things. Oh, yeah, right. And they've this gotten is, under our skin. That's called spiritual bypassing or leprechaun bypassing. Yep. <sighs> Are we going to go to the leprechaun museum? Yes, we must now. We've got to have a photo. <laughs> With a leprechaun. Mm. Welcome back, everyone, to... Spooky Sundays. Just had to think for a minute there. <laughs> which, which show? What day of the week is it? What are we doing? Where I was. Uh, with your hosts, uh, Anne Rickovich and Renata Daniel. And of course, in the studio here, we have the delightful Christy from Spells and Spirits with Christy's magical moment. Cue intro. Oh, oh hang on, hang on. Oh, very nice. You realise we're going to have to take this into studio every week now and and use that. I feel a cross between Samantha Stevens and Jeannie when you do that. Yeah, it's amazing. It is. Very nice. Now, Christy, welcome. How has the week been for you? Um, Pretty good. Awesome, awesome. What? uh, I'm worried. She's holding up the paper in front of her face, which means this is a naughty one. (laughs) Okay. We're we're about to um, get in trouble, I'd say. What is this week's subject? So tonight we're going to be talking about cheese and witchcraft. Cheese? Cheese. Cheese. And while this might sound like a fabulous night in, I came across this on Facebook. Oh, that's the wealth of all knowledge there. Yep. So, you know, while I'm incarcerated in Facebook jail, um, I found this. Yes. Quote, out of a book. You may fascinate a woman by giving her a piece of cheese. I know. It's like it's mesmerising. Have you ever seen me in front of a triple brie? <laughs> I'm just drooling, especially if there's a paste with it. Mm. I mean, <laughs> that's just an awful statement to make, an awful statement to make. And I know we're talking about the 1800s, I think, when that statement was made, but I want to find that person that uh, wrote that and slapped them. Okay, well, here's an info for you. So the spell actually came from Catherine Paulson's 1971 book, The Complete Book of Magic and Witchcraft. What? Is that who we have to blame? Yeah. From the 70s? Yeah. But that was also the time where they had that white wine diet where you had like (laughs) three coffees for breakfast, six glasses of white wine and a boiled egg. Yeah, I I could... Yeah, I reckon I could do that. <laughs> I, I think I'd be doing sulphur-ridden farts, but, you know, yeah. that, that's okay. Dutch ovens, yes. all that. All right, keep going. Tell us more about cheese and being fascinated. <laughs> but now offering a lump of cheese may just be the way to profess your love to someone. And, look, I'd totally accept that if someone was just like, like, here's a camembert, I love you. I'd go, me too, I love you too. Yeah, and, and for me to share my triple brie with someone. That's love. I, that's love. I'm sorry yep. if I'm sharing my brie with you, mm. then you've got to understand that you have a special place in my heart. Cheesy. 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 All right, but there is actually a history of cheese and witchcraft. So no one knows the origins of cheese in witchcraft, but one article suggests that milk was seen – metaphysically as life-giving and strengthening and the transformation of milk into solid was seen as magical. So quite an alchemy thing. So taking this liquid and making it curdle and turn into cheese. Ah. Magical. Yes. Anything that wasn't understood was magic yes. back in those days. I know. And then you got burnt for it. Yeah, so that's, that's right. right. That's right. Yeah. A local witch walked past your milk and curdled it. Yes. Now, the following might sound like it's been taken from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but in the modern early period, say 1450 to 1750, the creation of the universe was also thought of some in terms of cheese making. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is getting really weird. I know. Here we go. Here's a quote. All was chaos. That is, earth, air, water and fire were mixed together. And out of that bulk, a mass formed, just as cheese is made out of milk. Now, what an explanation for the universe. What? But late, it gets worse. And then worms appeared in it, and these were the angels. What? <laughs> the worms are... What? 
so the connection with life and the mysterious way of cheese is made, therefore, it's put in a good position to claim magical properties. Um, and we also talked a few weeks ago in um, the divination one about the art of cheese divination. I, I think she was an, on acid that week when she wrote that. But if you think about worms, caterpillars do turn to butterflies, angels. Yeah, okay. At a stretch. <laughs> At a stretch. Okay, so one of the most common uses for magic cheese in the medieval times and early modern periods was to identify thieves and murderers. So the method could be quite simple. So first, bless the cheese with a prayer. Blessed be the cheesemakers. <laughs> oh, Could have a life of Brian quite. <laughs> Baby cheeses. <laughs> <laughs> and then you fed a small piece of cheese to each of your suspects. And the culprit would be unable to swallow their piece of cheese. They would be guilty. <gasps> So if you're lactose intolerant, you're screwed. <laughs> I know. I would never be guilty. I'd be like, give me the cheese. Yeah, no, not give me. me. The cheese. No, do you want me to take yours from you? I can, I'm ha- <laughs> I can take your cheese too. All right. So in the 12th century, female Italian innkeepers were especially prone to using enchanted cheese to turn their customers into beasts of burdens. They'd make them into a donkey? Mm. So, uh. <laughs> so spoiling milk was one of the most common curses associated with witches in early modern Europe. Around 1650, the dairy maid Isabel Maine was convinced her milk was cursed as it wouldn't turn into cheese. Oh. So after only after a service magician named Margaret performed a counter curse. Margaret? Margaret the magician? I, yeah. <laughs> That's a stage name. Yeah. Her name's actually Meg or Maud or Mary. She's really well known. Good old Marg. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so Marg um, performs a counter curse and the milk would curdle properly. So she also advised that you carry around a stick of rowan wood um, when you milked the cows to protect you from the evil eye. As to whack those buggers that had the evil eye. Yes, yes. So the idea that cheese is seductive... I think we may have lost Renata again. Yeah, I'm just going to keep going. I'll use my paper of protection. So the idea that cheese is seductive also has a long history. So writings in the 13th century, um, a theologian used the alluring smell of grilled cheese to explain adultery. Well, this is true. There is nothing like the smell of grilled cheese on toast. Oh, I'm having a mo- I'm ha- we're having a hot quote. Do you have right. a quote? Let me finish this. Okay. So cheese is toasted and placed in a trap, and when the rat smells it, it enters the trap, seizes the cheese, and is caught by a trap. And so it is with all sin. Right. So cheese is toasted when a woman is dressed up and adorned so that she entices and catches the foolish rats. Take a woman in adultery, and the devil will catch you. Now. I'm not going to mention the analogy the papers of a, a female to a toasted cheese sandwich, but daily showering is highly recommended. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe a little spritz of lavender. Maybe, I think so. Um, but there's belief that cheese could also cure a male could cure, could cure male impotence. And if a pesky witch had cursed a man's genitals, a medieval <laughs> Italian cure was for the man's wife to bore a hole in the cheese oh, God, oh, the and hell. feed him the resulting pieces. There was a moment there. I know. thinking we're going to bore a hole where? And I never said penis or anything that episode. Oh, damn. That was good. I enjoyed that. I like that one. I, I love did. cheese. I now, we've, we've been getting a request about cinnamon. Could we do cinnamon next week? Of course. Oh, that'd be fabulous. Or, or whenever you can get to it. But uh, we've we've heard, I think you may have done it before, but we've had some people request it. So um, thank you, Christy. Thank you so much for this that, week. That was very enlightening. We all feel like having uh, some, some cheese and, and crackers now. Cheese some, toasty. With, with some nuts because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I still, I'm reminiscing about the nuts from, you know, a week or two ago. I do a really good baked brie with maple <gasps> and walnuts. You do too. Oh, it. It's amazing. That's our usual Christmas thing that we do. That's, mm. that's yum. All mm. right. We need to get to a song. Where can we find you, Christy? Spellsandspirits.com.au. Hey, you did it. Whoa. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. He'll be back next week, hopefully, with some cinnamon. You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. And welcome back to our final goodbyes on Spooky Sundays. Well, just for for, for tonight, not forever. And uh, we will be getting sad around about this time because we know that we've only got about a week left. Mm. Yep. 
But we're going to make the most of it. Mm. So we're heading back um, over to England and um, we're heading down towards London. Yeah. We haven't actually made up our mind exactly what we're going to do yet. Mm. All we do know uh, is that there will be bookshops involved. Um, <coughs> we do like to go for a walk down into Covent Garden, don't we? Mm-hmm. And have a wander around there. But we're, we're trying to work out, should we stay in London where it's so expensive? Yeah. Uh, or do we go out of London a little bit? Oh, hello, puppies. They've come in to join us. Um, uh, I don't know. What what do we do, Renata? What do you reckon? Mm. Um, <clears throat> apparently, Hampton Court is pretty good. So we might have to go and um, have a look at Hampton Court and go for a little walk around. Maybe we might also be... Um, Privy to the time slip that two ladies had there many, many, many years ago where they found this um, gathering of people having a, a party, a picnic on in the grounds. Oh, was that Hampton Court? That I thought that was um, in Versailles <clears throat> or somewhere like that. No, I think it was Hampton Court. Oh, we can have one or, both of them. Or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's all right. We'll, we'll run with that. Mm. <laughs> anyway. <coughs> but uh, how... I don't know. We're running out of things to say. <laughs> Can we go back to the leprechauns yeah, then? I want to keep talking about the leprechauns. That was way more fun. But look, I have to tell you one of my concerns is that um, when we fly into London, I was only thinking about that, is that we are flying into London at night time. Mm-hmm. Right? This is in when, when we're leaving. And um, we're going to pick up this car at night time mm-hmm. and try and get out of Heathrow Airport. Mm-hmm. You sound so confident. It'll be it'll be fine. If you've gotten that video that we have of us trying to escape Heathrow Airport, there'll be far less cars around. It'll be fine. It'll be oh, fine. I don't know. It's London. It'll <laughs> be so good. we we will hopefully be off the plane. I think at quarter past eight. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to go over and pick up the car. Mm-hmm. God knows what sort of car we're going to end up with. Might be a Jag again. It could be. Oh, that'd be lovely. It could be. be. It could and be a Daihatsu Shirai. <clears throat> we don't know. Yeah, we've got to find some unusual places to go, somewhere where we haven't been before. Yeah, but I mean, we, we are getting off a 24-hour flight at night time and getting into a car and driving. I don't know how wise we are. We're only driving about half an hour, but hopefully hopefully, um, when you're listening a, to this, a 20, we have A 24-hour flight? Yeah, from Australia. Well, the trip is twenty four hours. Oh, when we when we arrive, when we arrive, yeah, she's finally <laughs> caught up with me. Because we're talking about our last week. I know, weeks. I'm I thinking, know. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm just sort of thinking at the moment, in the back of my mind, I, I'm a little concerned. It'll be fine. I can jump behind the wheel. I'll drive. Bless oh you. my God! The demons came out at the thought of that. <laughs> I'll drive. It'll be fine. But if we get two of us on the driving insurance, it costs more money. We'll see. Oh, it's all right. We'll we'll have lots of coffee. Yeah, and you you can be my wingman. Yeah, you can look out for cars, and if, that way, if we die, I'm I'll, usually I'll laughing. Blame you. I'm usually <laughs> laughing too much and holding the camera. So <laughs> uh, yes. anything could happen. We will make sure we have got cameras going from just about every angle. Mm. Um, and maybe when we get to Ireland, we may even be able to video some footage of the leprechauns being. <laughs> Inseminated. Worked, it worked by Renata. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I was going to say worked, but you know, if you want to go into the finer details, go for it. Mm. Um, but yes, we're mm. we're getting close now. Um, we've still got a few episodes to record. I think we've got one more of Spooky Sundays to record, and I think we've got another three True Hauntings to record before we're allowed to leave the country. Yep, it'd be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So thank you so much for being with us tonight. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. It sort of went a little bit south, so to speak. Uh, But we will be back with more stories for you next week on Spooky Sundays. In the meantime, guys, remember, stay spooky. See you on the dark side. Bye. Bye. Most mysteries can be solved by looking at the facts. But sometimes the facts don't give us the answer. So it's time to call in Anne and Renata. Spooky Sundays, when the truth lies beyond a logical answer. Dive deep into the world of the unknown with real ghost stories and the unexplainable. Sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. It's Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Sunday from 8pm, only on Newcastle Live.